I am Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And today we're joined by PLL production coordinator, Jackie Ryan. How you doing, Jackie? Good, guys. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Glad to have you. Um, I guess the first thing we should ask you, because we don't really know ourselves, what is a production coordinator? Um, so on, on PLL and Famous in Love, I was actually the production supervisor, um, which is pretty much the same thing thing as a production coordinator, but just one step slightly above it. Mm. Um, so the production supervisor is kind of one rung below a loop, a unit production manager. Um, and I'll try not to bore you guys too much with it, but, um, so, um, the unit production manager kind of oversees the day-to-day, uh, functions of the crew, the schedule, uh, works with the ADs. And so the production supervisor kind of takes a lot of that responsibility as well. Um, on some shows, there isn't a unit production manager, depending on the budget level. So the production supervisor kind of takes over that responsibility um, and really works with the producer and the people on set, the ADs, to kind of keep everything moving and make sure everything's on schedule, um, deal with any issues that might come up with, you know, certain issues with cast or with, um, you know, if we fall behind the, the production supervisor might kind of stay on set while the producer handles stuff in the office. So, um, kind of just a, a general management position. Um, now the production coordinator, um, handles most of the paperwork that comes along with, um, you know, making a TV show. So it's stuff like the daily um, timesheets for all of the crew, the time cards for the cast, um, and make sure everything kind of gets to where it needs to go, whether it's script pages going to the cast or to the people on set. Um, if there are any last-minute rewrites, you know, we might need to rush a set of sides out. Um, so just kind of overseeing everything that happens within the office um, and making sure that information gets communicated and kind of to every department it needs to go to. So yeah. the supervisor would be like a pre-production and production phase job, but maybe not so much of post-production. Um, yeah. So po post-production has their own, their own staff. So post-production, um, and they usually, we all coexist because while in TV, while we're shooting, we're actually in post um, on certain episodes. So it's kind of like this big pipeline where while we might be shooting one episode on set, you know, they might be two episodes behind in post. Um, so they have their own producer and their own production their own post-production supervisor and post-production coordinator. Um, and sometimes we come together for certain elements. Like if we, you know, don't have time for a particular scene, um, and it needs to be shot later, you know, when we might be in the same set that that scene was shot in, we'll reshoot that all on the same day. Um, and then we'd all kind of come together to make sure that we have all the elements that we'd need to make that scene happen. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of moving pieces. I was going to say, I imagine it's a lot different on a TV set as opposed to a movie where the schedule is so much more important on a TV set just because it is like a weekly output. Yeah, I mean, with with film, you definitely have more flexibility. And 
um, while post is usually going while you're shooting, it's usually not to the same like frenetic pace that it is when you're making TV. Um, TV is just such a fast moving beast that, um, there really isn't any room to dwell on anything, you know, you, you kind of have to make a choice and then stick with it and then see it through because they're, you know, you can't really go back two episodes and, and change a whole scene, um, that would just cost too much money and, and too much time. So, um, so working with TV, I mean, it, it is such a collaborative process because you do have all of these amazing department heads coming to make your vision, um, to life, but it really happens within weeks. I mean, we get a script, um, and we have in PLL's case, we have seven days to prep it. So seven days to gather all of the props and costumes and, um, special effects and, and just make it happen. And there's really not a whole lot of room for, for modification, you know, um, every once in a while, like small things, you know, are definitely able to be tweaked and dialogue can be tweaked, but general, um, like story elements, uh, have to kind of stick within the seven day prep or else it just becomes kind of too, too big to manage. So in the past, you worked as an assistant to a line producer. Mm -hmm. What exactly does a line producer do? And then what kind of tasks does an assistant take on? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you guys are asking this stuff because I feel like most people, you know, aren't super interested in, in the behind the scenes stuff, but it's, it's really so integral to, to how a TV show happens. Um, so the line producer is really the, the person in charge of the physical production of a TV show. Um, you have the showrunner, which who is in charge of the creative content, um, of a TV show, but it's really up to the line producer to make that, that content come to life. Um, so in our case, you know, for, for Pretty Little Liars, we're given a budget for each episode. Um, and Marlene is a showrunner, you know, oversees the creative content. Um, and then it gets handed to our producer, Lisa. Um, and she really is in charge of overseeing every little cost. Um, there's a budget for every episode and every department kind of knows within a pattern of each episode how much they have to spend. Um, for certain episodes, bigger episodes, that pattern might get bumped up a little bit. Um, but it really is the line producer's job to communicate that and to kind of work with the departments. And if there is something where the departments think that they're going to be over on, they'll give Lisa a heads up and she'll try and make it work or finagle things um, around to, to kind of make the budget even out in the end. But it really is working with all of the crew and then the cast as well. Um, Sometimes the cast needed to request time off for certain things. So Lisa works with the ADs and coming up with a schedule that can allow the cast to do other things that they want or need to do. And um, so it's, it's really uh, all of the important decisions that make a TV show happen are done by a line producer. Yeah, that was the and, kind of impression I got when I was there that the line producer just makes stuff happen on the ground. They're kind of like, you know, crack the whip, keep things going. Exactly. They, they're really kind of like the boots on the ground people that, um, that make the TV show really, really happen. Um, and then as far as being an assistant to a line producer, um, you know, the line producer does so much 
on a, on a given day. So it's kind of just being there for whatever the, the producer needs. Um, in Lisa's case, she's very, very prepared with, you know, all sorts of data and, um, paperwork. So it's, um, managing all of the cast requests that come in for time off, um, working with the cast management teams to make sure that we're in constant communication on their schedules, um, working with the ADs to make sure that they've received all the info while they're prepping, because while we have an AD shooting, there's also an AD prepping the next episode. So kind of liaising between them and creating the shooting schedule. Um, and then, um, you know, working with Lisa and various things that she has going on, um, attending, you know, some of the prep meetings to make sure that, um, that as a line producer's assistant, you're aware of what's happening because you kind of are the first line of defense to the producer. Um, so people that don't want to bug her, you know, will ask questions to you and, you know, as much as you can do to have the information for them and, and save the producer that that time of being asked that question is kind of the way to go. <laughs> and we should say this is, uh, Lisa Cochran Nealon. Mm -hmm. people could constantly see in PLO credits. Yes, yes, that's her. She's one of the best producers in town, and she's been on PLL since day one. And I think um, if you follow us on social media, you kind of see all of the cast shout out to her because she is so good in working with them um, and just making the show happen from every aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when we were on the set, Troy and mentioned that. She was just like, yeah, this is Lisa. She She runs the ship pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. So how did you initially get into the, the television show business? Yeah, well, I actually was, I went to school for it. Um, I went, I was actually studying medicine at University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, and I needed an elective, like <laughs> my third year of college. And I took a film course and I just kind of fell in love with it. And I was super torn that semester because I was, you know, like halfway through all of my um, my science courses and just passed organic chemistry, too, and all this stuff that I had invested time in. And, and I just really wanted to change my major. Um, and then I finally did. And I finished school two years late to, to do that. Um, and I graduated in two, that, 2008 um, in, in Michigan at the time there was a great tax incentive program program that passed um, where there were films coming in in the shoot in Michigan from all over the, the country. Um, so I was able to find a job on a, a movie called Whip It, which is Drew Barrymore's oh, yeah. directorial debut um, that shot in Michigan in 2008. So that was my first job in the industry. Um, I was an art department uh, PA <laughs> um, and I learned a lot from that show. It'll always kind of have a special place in my heart. Um, and since then, I've just been kind of working. Um, I worked in Michigan for a few years. And then I met um, a production coordinator named RJ, who also worked on PLL, who flew me out to California um, for for a gig. Um, I, you know, I came out to California with, with a job on a TV show called Melrose Place. <laughs> um, it's kind of short-lived for CBS, the newer Melrose Place. Um, and that that's where I met Lisa. Um, and I I also worked with Skip in Michigan, who's the UPM on Melrose Place and PLL. Um, 
so I've just been very lucky and fortunate to work with the same great group of people for the last few years. So you had also worked on as a production assistant on Up in the Air. Yeah. So we have to ask, what are George Clooney and Anna Kendrick like? They're great. They were actually really, really nice. Um, it's super funny. One of my tasks was to get George's um, clothes because he was done for the day and didn't want to go back to his trailer. He just wanted to leave from set. So I just remember like going to his trailer and pulling out his clothes and be like, I'm I'm literally touching George Clooney's jeans right now. <laughs> like, what is, <laughs> what is happening? Um, but he was very, very nice, very professional. Um, and so was uh, Vera Farmiga, who was also in that. Um, everyone was incredibly down to earth. And Andrew Kendrick, um, I just remember her sitting at the cafeteria tables for lunch with the crew and just wanting to learn more about, um, you know, everyone that was working on the the project so that was pretty pretty neat yeah i guess she would have been pretty young then she was yeah i think she was still kind of newish mm-hmm. yeah was that that was in michigan that was that was a, they had a detroit unit and i worked on that unit nice okay. hey one thing just is totally off topic what we've been talking about i've always wondered about this so you mentioned trailers i know mm-hmm. they'll tell do the pll's do they have trailers on the set at warner brothers um, so the PLLs did not have trailers. They actually have um, rooms. They had condos, they're called, at Warner Brothers. So they have, um, they each have their own room, and it's they're actually pretty nice because um, we kind of furnished, and each PLL has their own, like, paint theme and room theme. Um, so they don't have trailers, but a lot of the other cast does have trailers or did have trailers. Um, most of the parents had trailers and, um, I think, uh, also Ian and, uh, Tyler and Sasha and Keegan had rooms as well. Um, so that's kind of nice because mm-hmm. they could all kind of be near each other and, and kind of, you know, on stage, they could just wander down to crafty if they wanted something from the crafty room or something like that. So I think if you watch, well, any of like Shay Mitchell's social media stuff from when she's filming. They're like the upstairs rooms, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually really helpful for our AD staff because they're all so close to each other that we can just walk up there. And if we need them, we just knock on their door and, and ask them to come down and, and work. <laughs> Are those the rooms with the big, uh, like makeup tables with the lights all around the edges? I know I've seen those a lot um, on social media. Those rooms, so we have a room um, on each stage where we keep the cast for cast holding. So that's when they're all called down to set. If they're not in a specific shot, they'll go to the cast holding room. Mm. Um, and that's where they kind of wait until they're needed to step on set. But they'll have their cat, their hair and makeup um, touched up while they're waiting. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's close. It's actually close in proximity, but they each have their like separate individual rooms as well. Nice. Uh, one thing we noticed you were involved in just on social media is the hers and history. Uh, I was wondering if you could tell us a little about that, about that and how you got into that. Yeah. Um, so hers and history is, um, a web series that I produced last year. Um, and that was written by, um, a woman named Jamie Hansen. And I met her in 2014. Um, I was actually production coordinating a pilot at Warner brothers 
and she was my office production assistant. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, as most office PAs have ambitions, she, um, she also wants to write and direct and she is a a writer director. Um, and she sent me her script, uh, about a year and a half ago for hers in history. And, um, there was something about it that kind of caught me up, caught me off guard at first because, um, the premise is about a couple that's completely honest about their sexual history. Um, and the honesty, when I read the script, it kind of caught me off guard, but then I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, well, the story really does need to be told. So I worked with Jamie on producing that last year. Um, we ended up getting Lindsay Shaw from PLL to play the main actress, the, the, the main role in the, the series. And then she's uh, she worked opposite of Mike, Mike Bailey from the UK version of Skins. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a really funny and, and unique story that I think a lot of people will enjoy. Um, you know, just awkward sexual encounters that, you know, by the time you're in your mid-20s, I think a lot of us have had. <laughs> um, and, um, and it's just a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to people being able to, to view that series. Which was your second web series mm-hmm. kind of foray, right, after Slave for You? Yeah, so Jamie actually um, also read a, wrote a web series called Slave for You. And uh, Slave for You was written to be like a, a smaller story, kind of a quieter story um, about a BDSM slave, which, you know, also a unique story. Um, and I think there's something really, really special about the way she thinks. And I think Jamie and I have a similar sensibility and that we like stories that are kind of, you know, more fringe than, um, on the, the normal, you know, spectrum of storytelling these days. Um, and, and that one you can actually view on Vimeo on demand. If you, um, search slave for you, like the Britney Spears song, um, you'll be able to find it. Um, and it's, it's free to watch. And I think there's something really kind of sweet. It's actually a really sweet story about a BDSM slave. So, um, there you go. (laughs) And, um, in that series we shot over the weekend, um, while she was working on undateable at the time and I was working on pretty little liars. So we shot that over about a month, um, on the weekend. Did uh, Mike Bailey ever tell you of him if Sid and Cassie got together on Skins? Oh, no. He didn't tell me. I should have asked him, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> so after Hers in History, you also got involved with 25-ish, which mm-hmm. we've talked about in our podcast before. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, if the inspiration and production, how did that all come about for you? Yeah, well, um, so that that idea came from Katie McKay, who um, I met through Kyle Bown at Pretty Little Liars. And... And they actually wanted to create a web series and reached out to me after I did hers in history, um, to see if I wanted to come on board their project. And, um, of course (laughs) I said, yes. Um, and so we, we met for kind of, um, some semblance of a writer's room, um, after work for a few weeks, um, over a beer and we kind of hashed out the story and it's really kind of more of Katie's, um, inspiration because she is 25, um, and kind of dealing with that quarter life crisis that a lot of us 
have faced and even face in our thirties, if you're like me, um, where there's just so much uncertainty on your career and, and where you're, where you thought you would be versus where you might be. Um, and I think there's something really unifying about, about that experience that most everyone has experienced at some point in their life. Um, so, um, yeah, so 25 ish kind of deals with that, um, that uncertainty. And I, I think there is something really that everyone can relate to with that. Yeah, we thought it was kind of interesting that the quarter life crisis thing is kind of almost where the PLLs are getting to right now to the time mm-hmm. jump. Uh, was that yeah. on your minds at all where you guys were working on 25 ish? Um, you know, not really, but it's, it's a, a very valid point. And I think, um, I think that's something that, you know, in the last part of PLL that definitely comes to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just such a common thing, you know, where there's so much pressure these days for, for the young people. And it's so hard. Things are a lot harder, you know, for us than, than young people used to have it. Um, that I think, you know, it's a very, very common experience. Definitely, Which, yeah. Yeah. So 25-ish, you guys are doing post-production now, like looking for distribution. Yeah. Uh, how is that going? And how does just the general production of that, that enterprise compared to like the work you guys did on PLL? I mean, smaller, but kind of the same thing? Yeah. Um, we actually have a lot of PLL people coming on board um, through production and post-production. Um, our post-production coordinator, um, Lauren, uh, with the post-production coordinator for, for PLL. Um, so she's kind of helping us shepherd the exact same process that an episode of pretty little liars would, would do in post. Um, so that means you first edit, you know, edit it, and then it goes off to the the sound person and then it goes to, um, the music person. And then it kind of goes through the color correction pipeline and toward the final cut. Um, so yeah, so we're going through it right now with the, the episodes of 25-ish, and it's it's really rewarding to see it come together in post. Um, we actually have Mike Subi, who is the composer for Pretty Little Liars. He's going to be doing our composing for 25-ish as well. So you might see some similarities in the music style. Nice. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned the writing, like kind of quasi-writing room you guys had, you and Katie mm-hmm. McKay and Cal Bone. Uh, what was that like just uh, switching to a more creative side of things? Um, it's, it's great. I, I love it. Um, I think I, I generally work on such a logistical side of my brain, um, during the week that it's really nice to kind of let my creative side of the brain take over. Um, it was hard because, you know, all of us were working our jobs uh, our day jobs and then coming together on nights and weekends to write and then rewrite. And we did a lot of rewriting on this. Um, we sent the, the prelim drafts of the script out to a bunch of people, um, that gave us notes and then we would rewrite and then get notes and then rewrite. So, um, I think the whole process took maybe three months, about three months before we got to our, um, our shooting draft. Yeah. Um, and so what kind of lessons do you feel like you've learned from doing like present histories to come in the 25 ish compared to what you already knew from working in, in PLO and, and other shows? 
Um, well, the budgets for hers and history and 25 ish are so much lower than an episode of television would be. Um, we did hers and history and, and 25 ish, um, both under $70,000, you know, for the entire series of both of them. Um, whereas an episode of TV costs upwards of a million dollars. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of, um, just making do with what you have. Um, and for me, the biggest lesson has been, uh, just kind of to know where to focus the money. Um, so that the, the big, the best value gets on screen. Um, even though it might not be as much money as you want, you kind of just have to make it work. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's tough. Uh, independent filmmaking is just, you know, a lot of begging, borrowing and stealing. Um, but there's something really rewarding when you have something small and you can make something big with that, you know? Hey, I have a, just a very nerdy amateurish writing question. I've always been yeah. curious about, uh, when you do a rewrite, is that like new file blank page start again, or is it more like, let's just, you know, take a look at the scene and make edits, that sort of thing. Um, it's usually taking the scene and just editing within what you've already written. Um, we even did a pretty big structural pass, um, in November before we started shooting. And even then we just kind of tweaked what we had and re kind of structured the episodes a little bit within what we've already written. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not a total rewrite. Um, Okay. Not in this case. I was yeah. always curious about that. You know, you hear rewrites all the time in Hollywood, and it's like, how much of a rewrite? I wonder. I guess it depends on the project. Yeah. So probably the level to which you feel something needs to be fixed. Or mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you see yourself doing more, like writing or, or possibly directing or, or just something more in the vein of behind-the-camera creative work? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I definitely have a few things that I'm working on right now. Um, my husband, Jared, who is a concept, um, concept artist and, uh, works in the VFX end of things. Nice. Um, he's been so supportive of me that I told him the next thing I had to do, um, was going to be his project. <laughs> and he, um, actually had a production company many years ago. Um, so he's got a, a mind for development that I, that I envy to some extent. He's really, really good at it. Um, so he's got a couple of things that he wants to make. Um, one of which is something that we're working on right now called Fernie Merbert. <laughs> the crazy name. Um, it's actually kind of, um, it's a, like a dark entity that takes place in a Chuck E. Cheese. So it's kind of like a horror, <laughs> a horror film movie in a Chuck E. Cheese type place. That's funny you mentioned that because when I was a child, the Chuck E. Cheese thing terrified me. It still kind of does to this day, the big mouse head guy. Exactly. Yeah. Then you'll love this. <laughs> it's the fixed gaze. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's something dark there. We all know it. Um, <laughs> um, and then, so yeah. And then we're also working on, um, he had another great idea, um, a series called Commuted, which I hope to turn into um, another web series, which is kind of about a bunch of people in Los Angeles being stuck, um, kind of 
in a larger sense in their daily commutes, um, but also just kind of stuck in life and wanting more than what they, you know, are currently getting from their life. Um, and they all end up meeting in a road rage addiction therapy group. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you mentioned earlier that you really got into film in, in the class you took at Ann Arbor there. Is there mm-hmm. any particular influences that like really kind of change your perception or something you're really looking to kind of emulate? Um, you know, when I was studying it in Michigan, we watched all the typical film school classes um, from Battleship Potemkin mm-hmm. to, you know, um, in like, and every, yeah, every, yeah, everything. <laughs> um, and for me, I, I grew up loving film, but it, you know, blockbusters, I never mm-hmm. really studied independent film, nor did I have much experience with it. Um, but it was really once I kind of delved into the art behind it that I just fell in love with it. And, um, for me, there are just so many brilliant filmmakers. Um, I think the the stuff that I love to make is stuff that kind of pushes boundaries a little bit and makes you kind of feel somewhat unsettled at the end. Um, I really like the visual work of Sophia Coppola, um, especially as a woman director. I think she's, you know, done brilliant work. Um, so I definitely consider her um, an influence. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in general, you know, so many brilliant filmmakers out there, um, Wes Anderson, of course, mm-hmm. um, all of his quirky little quiet films that, you know, can't imagine ever getting made in the Hollywood system, but they're just brilliant. Right. Well, so what would be your, your dream project? Like pie in the sky, money's no object. Yeah. Um, I actually would love to remake Weekend at Bernie's for some reason. <laughs> okay. We've kind of talked about it, my husband and I. Like, for some reason, I just love that movie, but I would love to do it with, like, you know, with women instead who, of men. Who would be your new Bernie? Mm, we kind of threw a few names out there. You know, I think Melissa McCarthy would do a great job, but, you know, still kind of thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a very physical comedy, I imagine, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, definitely. And then um, we also have a horror movie that we really want to make called Parasites. (laughs) It's a kind of about alien, you know, alien poop monsters that invade (laughs) all of us. So that's definitely something that we want to do someday when when we have (laughs) have the ability to do so. I remember what is that Stephen King movie with the Uh, Dreamcatcher? Dreamcatcher, yes. Yeah, it's. They come out of your asshole. Yeah. Oh, great, great film. Yeah. All right. We'll have to check that one out. <laughs> it's actually, it's like a legendary bomb. It's made by Lawrence Kasdan. Um, it costs a ton of money and was yeah. horrendous. It's, it's worth watching just because it's so amazingly weird. Yeah. And that's the thing, the script, I actually, for Parasites, I read it um, while I was studying film mm-hmm. uh, and I met with a filmmaker here a few years back and he's so passionate about getting this film made, but it really does have to be like, you know, it can't be a big budget film <laughs> for, for that thing. It, you've got to figure out a way to do it um, cheaply, but still effectively. Does yeah. it have kind of a, like a British bent because it's parasites? Um, no, not really. It's, it takes okay. place in rural America, but it's all about genetically modified food and that in combination with whatever alien, you know, um, comes down to 
Amer- come down comes down to the world, it kind of combines with this genetically modified food and screws all of us in the end. <laughs> I just got the pun, by the way. Excellent. Right? Yeah. So it's a pretty brilliant script. I hope that we can make that happen someday. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> so we saw you've uh, moved over to Famous and Love now. Is there anything you can mm-hmm. tell us about that show? Like what, as a, as a PLL fan, like what would we be interested in about Famous and Love? Hmm. So I think, um, I mean, it's a very different story. Mm-hmm. Famous and Love is kind of a Hollywood story, kind of like an entourage type story. <laughs> but um, I think there are some aspects of PLL that definitely carry over to it. Um, just the kind of quirkiness and the wittiness of the characters. Um, if you love that witty banter that the PLLs have with each other, I think you'll really like the way the characters and Famous in Love interact. Um, I think there, um, there is something really special about, uh, Bella Thorne's character, Paige. Um, and there's something really kind of sweet about her, but, um, you kind of want her to kind of grow a pair. And for me, (laughs) as you'll see, as she kind of gets there and it's kind of, um, an empowering story. Um, and I hope that it gets a season two, if you know, people tune in and and like it, um, to kind of make that character arc even more, uh, empowered. I was a little curious as far as the page character, if it's not like a spoiler or anything, is she (laughs) a TV actor or like a, like a film actor? Um, uh, she's not a TV actor. Um, in, in what's, what's kind of brilliant about this is she kind of gets plucked out of obscurity into this crazy world of, big budget filmmaking and it's just such a fish out of water experience for her um that i hope it's something you all enjoy watching (laughs) um so speaking of kind of going back to pll a little bit Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite episode or scene from pll oh gosh for me uh the hefty hannah scene where a makes her eat all of the cupcakes (laughs) from season one that just made me so sad (laughs) I think as women, you know, we just we all kind of struggle with, you know, at some point our body image or ways that we're supposed to to be or, you know, society tells us to be. And um, and that really just kind of broke my heart a little bit watching her. Um, it's such a mean thing. Such a mean thing. Like, A is such a jerk. Um, oh. But uh, there are so many awesome moments. I mean, when Toby's house blew up. Um, that was something that was incredibly fun for us to, to do. Um, there were actually cats living in that house <laughs> at Warner <laughs> brothers. Um, there's a bunch of feral cats that live in the back lot houses. So they had to have somebody come in and like physically move out all the cats before we blew the house up. Um, so that, that's something that I'll always remember too. Uh, <laughs> I want to go back and rewatch that episode and see if there's one of those, like uh, no animals are harmed. <laughs> Making yeah. of blowing up this house. We're like all like, you know, crossing our fingers that like no flaming cats, you know, flew us. <laughs> so I imagine as uh, the uh, production coordinator, production supervisor, you have to be there all those late night shoots, right? No, actually, um, we on PLL, uh, Lisa usually covers the late shift oh. because she likes to be there um, to kind of handle all the morale and make sure, you know, that way. <laughs> If the producer is there with you until, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning, you can't really bitch about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so we covered um, or skip uh, the UPM and I took the day shift and, and Lisa actually would take all the night shift days. So okay. cool. that was pretty helpful. That's got to be nice to be able to like go home to your family at a normal time, uh, enjoy that and like check in like via social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although there is something really special about being there in the night work. I think there is kind of like a, a desperation, um, you know, you just kind of get loopy and everyone's just kind mm -hmm. of drinking caffeine and trying to chug through it. Right. Um, and there are some really funny and unforgettable moments that happen when you're shooting something at 5 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> so. Everyone comes together like in the Truth Up episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All of the PLLs running through the jungle at 5 in the morning and, you know, just there's something really fun about it. So one question that we always ask people is, uh, as far as the the main four liars go, which one of those do you think you would have identified with the most when you were in high school? Hmm. I think I probably would have been um, either, I would have been like half Spencer and half Emily. Um, <laughs> I think the relentless pursuit of perfection, I still have a lot of Spencer in me. <laughs> um <laughs> but also just the, the kindness and sportiness of Emily is something that I also um, have. And um, God, I think there's a little bit of each PLL in everyone. Um, but um, Spencer for me is probably the person I most identify with. Um, probably to my husband's chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you have to have a little bit of Spencer in you to do that kind of management and coordination. Yeah. Yeah. It comes in handy. <laughs> well, then who would be your favorite, like, supporting or, like, tertiary character? Or someone you just, like, you're always glad to see them on the show? Yeah, uh, we have so many awesome people. For me, I love Detective Tanner, Roma Mafia. I I just love her so much. I mean, she's a great actress. She's a great person. And, and she's so fun. Um but also, you know, Lucas, Brendan Robinson, there's some really cool stuff that happens with his character the last um, <laughs> few episodes. And also Lindsay Shaw um, and Paige, too. I know there's a lot of Paley fans out there that are excited for her. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had so many great characters over the last however many seasons. Um, it's hard for me to, to pick, but to say that, you know, I just love them all. <laughs> What about you guys? Uh, I think we were all as partial to the guy at the Blind School Academy. We were just talking oh, yeah. about that in our last episode. We love that guy. Eddie Lamb, another big popular one. Oh, yeah. Eddie Lamb. Eddie Lamb. I love the smaller one-off kind of absurd. Uh, there's a guy in the um, Jenna Psychologist office uh, mm. where Hannah's trying to sneak in. And oh, yeah. he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, baking a cake. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Or like, then, like, like Alex's Tanner, boss Tanner. at the club. Do you remember that guy? It was like, oh. I'm going to go home and drink myself into a stupor or whatever he said there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also have a really great cop um, named Jim Titus. Mm -hmm. he's, he's been our cop for, um, for, for years now. Um, and he's always done some really fun stuff too. He's really good. And Barry comes back like at the end of the show, right? Like he's, yeah, he does. He, he's a, he becomes a detective, I believe. So. <laughs> <laughs> Soon to be chief of police, Barry Maple. Right. Yeah, Mayor Maple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like it. 
so if you could make a spin-off of PLL happen, you know, in any direction, what what would you want to see? Um, we kind of joked uh, first season that there was going to be a spin co- spin-off called Pretty Little Lawyers. <laughs> um, and it was just going to be everyone in their, you know, professional careers just kind of, you know, prepping a case and then getting a text from A. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that would be amusing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I generally like the direction in where PLL kind of flashed forward the, the five-year, the four-year awkward college years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now everyone is kind of embarking on their new life in whatever path they've chosen. Um, I think I would, I would love to see where they all end up or, or how they all kind of get through their quarter life crisis. Um, so for me, that's, I would like to see 25 ish meets PLL. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you need that, uh, PLL 10 year high school reunion movie. Yes, I would, (laughs) I would definitely watch that. (laughs) Sorry, my dog. Sounds like he likes that too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So last but not least, so work aside, you're relaxing. What shows are you watching right now? What shows are you excited about on TV? There's so many good shows on TV right now. Um, I actually recently just got into to catching up on the New Girl. On New Girl, I, I love it. Um, um, there's so many good dramas. We watched um, Man in the High Castle seasons one and two. Um, we're big Walking Dead fans. We um, God, there's just so much good TV out right now. It's such a great yeah. time to work in this industry. Um, we watch, um, um, there's, there's so many, I can't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? We watched the Santa Clarita diet and I really love that. Um, we are watching Oliver Goldstick's new show, the collection. And there's something really fun about that. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of fantastic TV. Um, and I've actually been trying to watch more new media shows as well um, because I've kind of been working in that in that sphere on my off time. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching shows like Her Story and I Ship It. Um, uh, uh, and then there's a, a really great uh, series on YouTube Red called Single by 30. Um, so I've just been trying to, to watch all, all sorts of, uh, shows that are out there. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're lucky cause they're, I mean, when we, when we all grow up, cause I think we're all about the same age, you mm-hmm. had so many shows, Yeah, you, know, you had so many avenues for shows and now there's however many networks and then there's like new media, like you said, but there's Amazon, like what the collection is and Anaheim mm-hmm. Castle and then all of cable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm. I'm watching um, the Lifetime series, uh, kind of about the the reality business. Um, oh, unreal! Unreal, and I I love it. And it's just kind of crazy how with it, with that show, life is imitating art. Um, and it's just there's so many great venues to tell all kinds of stories these days, um, and in so many different avenues for those stories to be told. It's really um, it's a great time to be in this business. Um, yeah. <laughs> so awesome. 
All right. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. Um, are you going to be watching the Oscars tonight? Any predictions? It's like, you know, it's like my Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm not a big sports fan. So this is like my favorite day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you hope to see? Any Anyone you're rooting for? Um, I want to see Moonlight actually clean up a little bit. I, I would love to see some diversity kind of take hold tonight. So um, I would love to see Moonlight and um, um, uh, the uh, the film with Viola Davis. I actually haven't seen it yet. Um, figures. Yes. Um, hidden, finger, hidden Figures and Fences also. So I hope diversity kind of comes back tonight. Um, and you know, I'm sure La La Land will, will pick up some pretty nice prizes as well. But um, yeah, it should be a great show. Good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Thank you so awesome, much. Guys. Thank you for having me. So everyone yeah. should be on the lookout for Hers and History in 25-ish coming soon. Yep. If you follow us on social media um, at History Hers, then you'll be able to kind of see. Hopefully, I'll have a launch date for that series any day now from the distributor. Um, and 25 ish is at 25 ish. Cool. And what we got about two months for PLL and famous in love. Yep. And they both launch on the same day. I think it's April 18th, if I remember correctly. So, so. be on the lookout for that. And those two will air, um, PLL will air, I think in front of famous in love. So that should be a, a fun Marley King night for <laughs> you all. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thank you. Alrighty, okay. thanks guys. <laughs> thanks, bye bye.